And I'm just going to tell you what it is right now. It's, a, it's about the oneness of God. And how much we think we know about this, or, you know, maybe um, that we've just been believing this because we've been going to this church for so long. And, and maybe we've got still a little bit of doubt, or we, we open up the Word and sometimes we're, we're still doubting, you know, um, some of the things that we see or some of the things that are confusing us. Um, I believe that, you know, that's a possibility that there's people in here because that is my testimony. I came here for a long time and I, I still had some confusion. So I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, the Lord God, that you will anoint Lord Jesus the way that I teach this message, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will open up every eye, Lord God, not to Lord Jesus what I want them to believe, God, but the way that you want them to believe it, Lord God. I pray that you will open up every mind and every heart, Lord Jesus, to the scriptures that are going to come forth from your word, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And I pray that I don't even have to influence them at all, Lord God. Just give my testimony of what you have done for me, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, I know that your word is going to pierce the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, Lord God. It is going to, Lord Jesus, discern the thoughts and the intentions of our heart, Lord God. You are going to show us, Lord God. You are going to teach us. And I pray for the anointings over every ear in this place. I pray for revelation and I pray for a care, Lord God. I pray for a care that it does matter, that these things do matter, that everything in your word Lord Jesus, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, God. I pray right now, today, Lord God, that you give a revelation, Lord Jesus, or you give greater knowledge and spiritual understanding, Lord God, to your word. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord God. Praise the Lord. teach by my testimony. That's the only way, you know, the way that God speaks to me, this is so awesome today that the way that he works, and I know that, I, I pray that some of you just bear with me if you've heard this testimony from me before, maybe some of you haven't, um, and I just pray, I say this almost every time, that everybody, you know, gets maybe a track back there, studies it, you know, you know, on some some important things of who God says he is, about the Holy Ghost, about baptism in Jesus' name, about the oneness of God. Study that and then, try, then plan on teaching it to somebody. Because I'll tell you what it did for me today. You know, I don't even know, you know, what the, you know, sometimes I think that the Lord just has me up here to keep me grounded, to keep me accountable, and to keep me in a day like I had today. Today was one of the greatest, you know, I get nervous about these things, but I'm also getting to be to the place where I'm like so thankful that the Lord has given me a work to do. He has given me a Bible study to teach because without it, sometimes I would just go off on the, you know, the fleshly side of things and I would serve my own self-will, which is a lot of times I don't want to sit in the Word of God that long. I want to, you know, go clean the house, go paint the house, go get it ready, move in the furniture, do all these things. But the Lord has um, set me down today to study the Bible, to be ready for this, to, to be able to teach it. You know, because I 
do not take this for granted either. When you are up here and you're preaching to teaching to people like you who are reading the Bible in a year. There's a lot of people who are going through the Bible in three months in this place. I do not want to, you know, th- this is a tough church. You're coming behind Pastor Carnahan and you got people reading their Bible. We've got to give it, you gotta, we got to teach the truth. And that's the way we got to be with the people out there. And that's what my testimony is, is when I found this out, when I made this important in my life, that was when be- I became anointed. And it's not because of me you know, being something special or even being able to teach, you know, a a good word at the jail. Sometimes I feel like I'm going in there, and you guys have heard this before, with nothing or, you know, that God didn't do nothing. And then I hear testimonies of how powerful God was, and it's because of his truth. That's That's what does it, his word. If you guys study that, and then you plan a Bible study with somebody, he will hold you accountable, and he will get you in that word more, and he'll probably give you a revelation. He'll give you a revelation because we don't believe it all the time. Sometimes we just got to study that. That's what happened to me at the Holy Ghost. I got this little Holy Ghost card, and it has this little kid's cartoons on it, and I'm like, well, this one seems like I can handle this one. And I read that, man, and was, the power of God came upon me in my, in my office at home, and I was reading this little kid's cartoon about the receiving the Holy Ghost almost. That's what it looked like on there. And I'm like, I always love that one. It's not back there anymore, but that's my favorite one because I was wanting to study it to show myself approved, to be able to teach people stuff. And, and God, he gave me revelation through, through start doing something like that. So here we go. Proverbs <clears throat> 2, 1 through 7. I'm going to try to flip to some of them on my own, but I'm not very quick. So, But some of them I got notes that I wanted to read. But Proverbs 2, 1 through 7, it says, My son, if you will receive my words, hide my commandments with thee, so that you incline thy heart unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if you criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up the sound wisdom for the righteous, and he is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. And I read this one morning, and this is my testimony. I probably, maybe I've gave this too many times. Um, but I read this one morning. And I was sitting at my table, and the night before, we had a Bible study, and we had some people that were of... The, the Trinitarian doctrine, and we had some people in the oneness, and we were just, you know, we were all gathering together. And I remember getting into a conversation with uh, the, the, another person that was in the Trinitarian doctrine, and we both were talking, and, and we were just kind of both like, you know, I just really don't think it matters much, you know. Like, I think that, you know, like, we're, we're worshiping the same God, and, and maybe we're not coming to an understanding, but, you know, it does, it's the same. We were just kind of like in that... We were, we were talking to each other and we were exchanging these words that, like, we both believe the same thing. It's one God. And, and I'm going to, you know, talk about the, you know, the, the Trinitarian doctrine and I'm going to talk about the oneness. But <clears throat> Trinitarian doctrine does believe one God, three persons in it. But it gets, you know, just that also depends on who you talk to. You know, it, talks, it depends on, um, you know, somewhere, you know, the, the Bible talks are, 
you know, some theologians talk about, well, just different people, that it gets into the place where some of them believe even further than that to where they, these are not just three persons, but they're three gods. And that's the, that is where if we don't go to Scripture and where the Trinitarian doctor come from, then we get, you know, we get the, uh, um, what is it called? Uh, um, I just forgot the word. But anyway, so it's, um, it's not doctrine, but it's in, I can go to the scripture right now and find it, but philosophies. Philosophies is how that came about. And um, so anyway, we had this discussion and it was kind of like both of us were just like, we're not going to get in a, we're not going to talk about it because I don't want to get in a um, debate on what is true. And granted, I still don't want to get in a debate. I just want to know what I believe and I want to teach what I believe. And if someone, you know, comes against that, then I want to be able to be able to stand on what I believe through Scripture. And so right there, that, at that moment, I didn't really know what I stood on. In fact, I grew, grew up in a Trinitarian um, church. I didn't go to church half as much as, you know, I do now. <laughs> Not even close. But that was the belief. And if you look at this, um, we are in the... Big time minority. Pastor said it last week that we're the only church in town that baptizes in Jesus' name. And um, so we're, we're in the minority of it. And so I didn't really want to get into that conversation. But the next morning I woke up and I read this. And he said, if you cry after knowledge, if you lift this up thy voice. And I remember it being on my heart that I had that conversation. But I knew that what they preached here. And, you know, I was like, it does matter. And God told me to cry after knowledge and lift this up my voice for understanding. And I looked at Chrissy and I got up and I was getting ready to go for work and I was reading my Bible. And uh, I just said, I see both ways. I see why they believe this. And I see why pastor preaches this. I, I don't know what I believe but I got to know. I need God to tell me, and I don't need it from, and I know you guys have heard me say this many times, but I don't need it from Pastor Carnahan. Although he gives me the greatest scriptures that speak exactly what God's saying. But you come in here sometimes, we come into these churches and we got these guards on like, he's going to try to force his doctrine down my throat. And that's where I was at. Like, no, he gives me all these certain doctrines that he knows because he wants me to believe in this. But then I'm looking at this and I see this and I'm like, I understand why that girl believes this. I understand why she's saying this and believes that. And so I cried after knowledge. In fact, before I left my house that day, I was downstairs. I was walking down the stairs and, I, and Chrissy, she, I'm like, you really just have it all in your heart? You believe that? She's like, yeah. And she gave me her scripture. I'm like, Lord, I need to know. Tears coming down my eyes. And that's the awesome thing about it was, you guys, I began to care. I began to want to know. And if we don't think, if we don't think it matters, 
then you're not going to hear from God. You're going to hear it from the pulpit. You're going to hear it from different religions, philosophies. You're going to hear it from the world. You're going to hear it all, around the, all, all over the place. But once you say that you care and that you criest after knowledge and you lift this up thy voice for understanding and you seek it her, as her as a hidden treasure, then you will find the Lord. Then you will find the true meaning of it. And what's so amazing is, is he is he honors his word because I walked out of there and I cried and I screamed to Chrissy. I was like, I got to know I'm sick of this. And that's just a true testimony. That's where I was at. I didn't know. And I probably, no one, none of you knew. Maybe there's someone in here right now that maybe you're, maybe you're doubting. Maybe you don't really know. And so no one really knew that, but that day, man, I walked out and I put the Bible in and I was reading it all day and I was just, you know, I remember what I asked and I just continued in what God had been having me do and reading my Bible, letting him pour his word into me. And he gave me this scripture right here, Colossians 1.9, and it wasn't one that pastor gave me. It was actually a little bit before that. But his is way better <laughs> because I'm going to read that one too. It's not pastor's, it's God's though. And this is the one that God gave me. And it's in Colossians 1.9. Sorry. Okay, and it just says, who is the... Okay, it says, for this cause we also... This is a good prayer, by the way. If you, don't, if you don't know what to pray, pray this for your brothers. Pray this for yourself. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing of the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience, long-suffering, with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us to be meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that were in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones and dominions, <clears throat> whether they be thrones and dominions and principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by all things, by and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, and in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that should all the fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. <clears throat> and I read that. And I just remember just hearing that part. And, you know, I probably read it many times, and I probably heard it over this pulpit many times. But when I cried after knowledge, there was a care in me. or there, I don't know what it was. It was my ears were anointed. But that it just said, and I'm sure you guys have heard this. You know, you've heard a lot of these scriptures. But ever since that day, I've never been able to read this Bible without just seeing. 
I mean, I got, I've been studying and looking at these, man. What should I teach tomorrow? Man, you've showed me so many different scriptures since that day. God showed me his oneness. I dropped to my knees and I started crying. I was thanking the Lord. It was, you know, when I was reading this today, I was like, I was kind of hoping that I would maybe cry a little bit because this scripture touches my heart so much because what happened after this day was a, a, an anointance that has come upon me because I have got a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And once I got that revelation, there's no stopping me from seeing it in the scriptures over and over and over. And there, there was no religion that told it to me. It was the word of God. And I was actually debating that morning whether I believe pastor or whether I believe these other people, what they were teaching. And I didn't know. And I thought someone else, I thought that things were just being forced upon me. But this right here gave me a revelation. And ever since that day, you know, maybe it, this scripture, just like the ones that pastor teach me, it might not be giving you the revelation. But I just ask that my testimony will give you a desire to get the revelation. Because after this day was this walk with Christ that I never could have imagined. There was all of a sudden that started becoming into me a boldness, a confidence, a, you know, like when I was ready. I'm ready to start teaching Bible studies now. I'm ready to go out there and, and teach the world. You know, I'm ready to go tell them who Jesus is. Because now I got a little bit of grasp on who he is. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> why is this important? Why is it important that we know that he's one or three? Can anybody answer that question? I'm just going to try to ask questions too. I'm trying. Can anybody just give an answer? Does anybody got a comment on that? Why is it so important that we know That's going to be part of the message if I can get to it today too. Is just the intimacy of, you know, that God didn't send someone else to do His dirty work. He made, you know, He chose that man to become in that man, so that He could, you know, experience what we experience, be at all points tempted as we are, because God can't be tempted. God can't experience temptation. God can't bleed, you know, but he did that so that he could also, at the end of this, this is another thing that made me cry, so that he could share his glory. In the Old Testament, it said that he does not share his glory with nobody, no other God. I am he. I am the only one. There is none beside me, which is, means, you know, we'll read that in a minute, but, but then he, he shared his glory, not with, if you look at it this way, you guys, 
He didn't send down an, a third person of the Godhead to, to be with us. He wanted to share his glory with you guys. And so he became a man so that he could, so that that man could be glorified so that when we put on Christ, when we're baptized under Christ, we put on Christ and that we could be glorified with him is what the scripture is going to tell you guys here in a little bit. So that we could experience his glory. And then so, so <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3.16, I'm just going to, it says, for all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God can be perfect and thoroughly furnished. There's one reason right there. So that we can be perfect and thoroughly furnished and know what we are teaching and what we believe. We've got to. We can't be, we can't be where, where I was at. We've got, to, we've got to make a decision where you're going to cry after knowledge and you're going to lift up your voice for understanding. We've got to be perfect and thoroughly furnished. And here's another one. John 7.37. And these are ones where, you know, man, I didn't know which ones to present. You know, like there's some that God's been talking to me about. And um, okay, John seven thirty seven says, and this is this is why. This is why we need to know for sure. In John 7, 33, it says, Then Jesus said unto them, Let a little while I am with you, and I go unto him that sent me. Ye ye shall seek me, and shall not find me. And where I am, thither you cannot come. They said to the Jews among themselves, Whether he go, that we shall not find him, will he go unto, unto the dispersed among the Gentiles, and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is that, he said, you shall seek me, and you shall not find me. And where I am, there where you cannot come. And it says, in that last day, Jesus, in the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried. He didn't just get up and say, you know, you guys need to start believing the scriptures. You guys need to start finding out who I am. He stood up and he cried and he said, if, it said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And that is exactly what, you know, I may not be able to preach to you, but that's what happened to me that day. Out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. And it just started coming out. And I started reading and I'm like, man, I can't believe that I even was, you know, being washed in this direction and all that. But, but it can happen, guys. The world we're living in, the minority, and, and we can look at it this way. The minority, it says, you know, that wide is the gate for you. It leads to destruction. Narrow is the path. I'm, you know, I'm not saying just because I'm in the minority I'm right. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be truth because, you know, the, a lot of the philosophies and the way that that started, it's been going on for a long, long time. And the, and the doctrine or the, the movement of reformation didn't start till about 100 years ago. That doesn't mean that the truth didn't start 100 years ago. That means that it got so philosophized and, and pulled apart that people started trying to come back around in the 1800s and start saying, we need to get back to what this says, man. We're way off. And, and Brother Bernard teaches it like this. He says, um, he said, okay, so you play that game like the telephone or whatever. You give this guy a message 
and then it just passes down or whatever. And so by the, um, and, I'll, and I'll go into that here in a second, but it just, just remember this because I'm not going to say it again. But he just said that, you know, like that, that it just gets over and over the same, same thing and then it gets distorted and that happens to religion. And that's why we need to be sound in our word. We need to be reading that Bible once a year. We need to stay, you know, sound on this and remember, you know, because if we get off of it, I'm telling you, it happens to me. I get off of this for a little while and I put my Bible down. All of a sudden, the questions about the Trinity even start coming back up again. They will. It's, it's because there's an influence out there. Now, I'm not picking on Trinitarians either. I just, I'm just saying, you know, like, we just got to know. We got to know. And that's why I'm going to talk about this a little bit. I've been watching a lot of debates lately so I could teach this better. And I don't want to be like a debater in here because there's no one to, there's no one. That's why I want to give a little bit of the side that I, that I know, but there's no one here to stick up for what they believe. So I've got, I'll give you a little bit of what they say, but I don't know exactly. And, and they're all different too, man. You never know what the person in the pulpits are thinking truly in their minds. But it says, so here, here's the one. Man, I don't know if I want to go to that one first or not. I'm going to go to Isaiah 44 first, and then I'm going to go into the Trinitarian doctrine. Isaiah 44. Lord Jesus, help me to just say less and read more. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Isaiah 44, 1 through 8. That's where I'm going. This is just another reason. This is another answer on why. It just says, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, oh wait, yeah, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which helped thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, thou, thou <clears throat> Jeserun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and the floods upon the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessings upon his offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water's courses. And then if you skip over to um, the 6, it says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, the Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And if you read like Isaiah, he, he, Isaiah really preaches the oneness of God into the Old Testament. And if you look at like <clears throat> some of that, and I'll, I'll talk, talk about this here in a little bit too, but 20, 29 times in, in the book of Isaiah, he says that the Holy One. He never says the Holy Three. He says, I am. There is none beside me. I am the Holy One. You'll never see him in there. And there's a few scriptures that, that are pulled out of there, but like, you know, hundreds of times in this Bible, 29 in Isaiah, three times in Psalms, two times in Jeremiah, once in Ezekiel, he says, Holy One. I am the Holy One. And so we go into the, I'm going to go into this, the Matthew 28, 19. And we all know this scripture. Um, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And so does anybody um, know what the... the well, I, I've already talked about it. I'm not going to ask that as a question. But I'm going to read what I've just studied a little bit. I'm not going to go too far into it because we want to just go into the Word. But it says, So the Trinitarian belief is one God, 
three separate persons, and they are all co-equal and eternal. So that means that you know when he says baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that they've all been that they're all equal and that they're all eternal. They were there from the beginning of time together as one God. And so if you ask a lot of them, some of the scriptures that we you know stand on, you know, um, in um, Deuteronomy six four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And they believe that. They agree with that. They're, they believe that He is one God. And, but he's, uh, he's three persons. He's got three different minds. Three different mindsets. Um, so it says that they're all co-equal co and eternal. And this is revealed in the New Testament revelation. So, you know, from what I've just watched in some of the debates and these guys debating Brother Bernard and stuff like that, that they start from the New Testament revelation. So they get a revelation in the New Testament and then they go back and try to um, find in the Old Testament the revelation that they've had to prove that he's, um, that he's three. And so I think that that's a, a little bit backwards, even though I did get a revelation in the New Testament. It was a New Testament revelation. But... One of the things that I've been learning in this class that I've been taking is it's called um, exegesis and eisegesis. And this is what I ask, you know, that everybody kind of look into your heart what you're doing. And I'm talking about even, you know, what I'm teaching tonight. And I'm talking about what pastor teaches tonight. Eisegesis is pu um, putting in, or it's a, uh, it's, taking the Scriptures and reading them, and this is kind of the, their theology. They got the Revelation in the, Old in the New Testament, but the, really the Revelation didn't come, you know, a lot of what they're believing is coming from philosophies, and they're not pulling out of the New Testament, and then they're going back into the Bible from three year, 300 years later because it wasn't for 300 years after the, the disciples and after the death of Jesus that the word Trinity even came about in religion. That was the first time. And there was a oneness guy. His name was uh, Praxius. And the, the guy, uh, Tortilian, he started trying to, you know, come against Praxius' teaching. And no one really knows what Praxius' teachings were, but he was suffering for the cause of Christ. He was in, you know, he was in jail and in prisons for, for doing that. But that's, um, that's kind of how the, that doctrine came about. And so, if we go in, the Esser Jesus is approach to studying the Godhead, is its approach to studying, um, to draw in. Isa Jesus draws in. You take what you believe and you try to find scriptures to prove that you're right. And I pray that everybody stops studying the Bible that way. Quit trying to prove that we're right. Ask God what He wants you to see. I still say, Lord, if I'm lost, if I got, you know, that day that you revealed it to me, if that was an emotional thing, I want to know, God, because I love you. I love you so much, God. I do. I love Him so much. I want to know Him. And I want to tell people who He is. And I don't want to tell them the wrong thing. So, we got to always remember to study it in exegesis. Exegesis is what does the text support? We draw it out of the text. Go into the Bible and try to pull it out and say, what does that mean? Not take our ideas in there. And we're all going to have that problem because the world has tainted our ideas. It's already given us a little bit of that exegesis um, 
um, study type. We're already going to take what we believe and we're going to try to, you know, prove that we're right or whatever. But anyway, so <clears throat> Matthew 28, 19. Here's your homework. You guys want to write it down? I'm not going to go into this. But I want you to read John 5, 43. John 17, 26. And I know that this may be some basic for you guys. And you've read these before, but... Some, maybe someone online maybe doesn't know these. John 14, 26, and Matthew 1, 21. So these are scriptures that we can study, um, and I want you to just study them and find out what, the, what is the name. What is that singular name? Go ye therefore, you know, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. These are some scriptures right here that will tell you that name. And <clears throat> so, now monotheism. Anybody know what the, the doctrine of mono, monotheism is, sister? Yep. One God, one mediator between man and God, and that's the man Christ Jesus. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt among Him bodily. And so if we, if we look at that as a try thing, that, that Scripture right here, it, it's, let's just go to that one. This is the one that <laughs> I was like, man, because Pastor, when I told him about my revelation last time, he's like, well, I got one even better. And he took me to the one right after. And I'm like, I knew that one. <laughs> I knew that one, but I was trying to find something that God would reveal to me on my own. Colossians 2.9. And this is after the, the revelation that I had. But this is... <clears throat> is this 2.7 will start out. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And beware lest any man spoil you. Let's just ask ourselves, why did He put this right here? Why did the Lord put this right here before this Scripture? Because He already knew he knew that this is where we were going to be. He knew that this was going to be the battle. He knew if we look at Paul, you know, when he's in, you know, he's teaching a lot of them churches in Ephesus, man. They're, they're teaching a lot of things. There were some of them that were just sitting around philosophizing, philosophizing on who God is. So it was around then and it's around now. And it does, it will distort the Word of God. It's, we need to find the Word of God through not philosophy, but through the Word of God. And he tells us right here, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And if we believe any way than, other way than that, if we believe that there is three persons in that, then in Him dwelleth a third of the Godhead bodily then he's, he's, all of these equal up into God as one person, while in Him dwelleth one-third of that. Because the other two-thirds aren't there. You know, where's the other two-thirds? What are they? And so, that's, and it says that we are completing Him, which is the head of principalities and power, in whom also we are circumcised with uncircumcision without the hands, and putting away the body of sins and flesh and... <clears throat> The circumcision of Christ. So, anyway, that wasn't one of the ones that I was going to try to go to here. But so, um, now I'm going to go into some scripture here. John 
7.16. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John 7, 16 says, <clears throat> Jesus answered them and he said, My doctrine is not mine, but, he, but his that sent me. If any man will do this, his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak it of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him the same is true in the unrighteousness unto him. So right here, Jesus is saying, you know, if, if they're a co-equal God, if they're a co-equal Trinity, he's basically making himself unequal. This is not my doctrine. This is his doctrine. Jesus is unequaling himself right there. And we all know that Jesus is man and God. You know, we know that He came in as man and we, He came in as God. But right here He's saying that I'm not teaching my own doctrine. And if He's not teaching His own doctrine, then He's not a part of that three-person Godhead. In John 7.33 No, this is wrong. John 14, 8-2. 8-21. Hey, Jeff, settle down over there, buddy. You're going to come up and teach the lesson. <laughs> All right. So John 7, or 14, 8 through 21. This is basically Jesus talking about he, him and the Father being one. That whole chapter is a good chapter. That's why I want to read a bunch of this. But I'm going to try to pick apart some of it too. If I can. Okay, 14.8 starts out. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you that you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how, how sayest thou, thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. I'm going to just stop right there. So if the Father dwells in the Son, we know that the Son is flesh. We're not, that's not a denial. That's not a denial in, in, the, in the Trinitarian in their belief either. But I'm just going to go here. If the Father dwelleth in the Son, well, where's the pre-existing Bethlehem Son hanging out right now? Because shouldn't the, the, the pre-existing Bethlehem Son be the one that's in the Son? Or is He just hanging out waiting like, alright man, He's doing all the work up there. The Father's doing all the work. You know, there's a lot of Scripture here that just opens up to the falseness of that doctrine. The Father that dwells in me does the work. Jesus is saying right here, He dwelleth in me. It's not 
The sun doesn't dwell in me. And if you look at if we look at Matthew 1:21, and we don't have to go there, it says that the Holy Ghost is the one that impregnated Mary. So the real Father of Jesus Christ is the Holy Ghost. So who's the Father? The Holy Ghost? Yes. The Father? Yes. What's his name? It's Jesus. All the fullness dwelt among him. Bodily, it's not three. <clears throat> I know that a lot of you guys know this, so just bear with me, guys. <clears throat> okay, 16, or 20, 14, 26. Okay, now, this is just, here we go right here. I think I gave this to you as a study assignment, but we'll talk about it. What is the name of the Holy Ghost? We just talked about it. It says, the Comforter, in 1426, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance, what I have said unto you. So what's the Holy Ghost's name? If Jesus said that the Father is going to send the Holy Ghost in my name, what's the Holy Ghost's name? It's Jesus. Peace I have with you. Let me see if I want to keep on going here. Sorry. Got a bunch of notes here that I'm trying to decide what to read here. Peace I have with you, and peace I give unto you. Not as the world I give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I have said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. There's another um, scripture that talks about non-co-equal. You know, if that's just, you know, they, they are equal when you believe in the oneness of God because Jesus is God, but they are not equal if you believe in the Trinity because He's greater than Him. They're not equal. And we know that they're not equal because Jesus is a man. <clears throat> So Hebrews 1, four, 1 through 4. And I'm sorry, guys. This, you know, like the, the Scripture is just does the best teaching, so I'm just going to slam Scriptures in here. and it, it does the best. And that's, you know, like when we're talking about a subject like this, man, we need to read the Scriptures. We need a ton of them. You know, can anyone, I'm just going to ask this question out right here. Does anyone know what the greatest commandment is? That Jesus said, the, the, the scribes came to Jesus and they said, what is the greatest commandment of all? Okay. But there's something that he said before that. So he says, before even the Lord, you know, love, that is a great commandment. But Jesus said, the greatest commandment is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He wants you to believe that. It sometimes seems like it's like not important. It's not a big deal. You know, the love part is the big deal. The, you know, the, the love your neighbor is the big deal, you know, to, to do all these things, to love your God. And when we do all these things, they are, they are way important. But he also wants to, to know who he is. He said it's very important. He said it was the greatest commandment. And he looked back, and that's what Deuteronomy 6, 4 says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And Jesus started out with that, and that's what he said. 
He said that that is the greatest commandment. And sometimes we skip that because we don't think it's that important just because we believe this. We, you know, we, or we just don't even think that it, you know, it really doesn't matter. You know, the love. But I think it really does. It has in my life. It has opened me up to, you know, just greater things. And it's opened my eyes up to the scriptures because I, just because it feels like now that I've allowed God to speak to me about this, that he's just opened me up to just so much more depth. <clears throat> so, all right. Hebrews 1.4, is that where I was at? 1-1, one, one, Hebrews 1-1. One, one. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> so God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers and the prophets, has in these days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And I'm going to try to get into that teaching, but in case I don't. So when, God, when he talks about Jesus making all the worlds, you know, does that mean that Jesus was back there with him? You know, you know like they were together and they were making worlds? No, when we look at the scripture of... Um, and sorry, I'm take, coming off of this scripture, but... So when we look at 1 John... Or not First John, but John 1. And he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. When he talks about that, when he says the Word, the Word there means the mind of God. In the beginning was the mind of God. And Christ was in the mind of God from the beginning because He wanted to create human beings. But He knew if we created human beings with free will that we were going to mess up. He knew that he's the only perfect one. I'm the only one that can do this. But I want a relationship with these people. I want to create them, and I don't want to make them robots. So in, in order to do that, my mind already has Jesus Christ, me, going down there, doing it for them, dying on the cross so that they can have a relationship from, with me. So he, he, we were in the mind of God, and while we were in the mind of God, he himself was in the mind of God on how he was going to come down here and make it to where we didn't have to perish. To where even though, because he's holy and he's just and he's righteous, so if he creates us, he can't be like, well, it's okay, you know, I knew that, you know, I knew when I made them they were going to screw up and, you know, that's just the way it is. No, he made a way for us to have a relationship with him and to spend eternity and be glorified with him. That's what he did. The mind of God. That's what he's talking about when we're talking about Jesus was in the, you know, that he created all things. Jesus, his, his, he was, that was his mind. This is the mind of God. This is a partial mind of God that we can comprehend if we can even comprehend this. In the beginning was the Word. And we want to try to fathom it, man. We want more and Whatever, man, but man, I can't barely even fathom this thing, man. It's a lot. A lot of the mind of God. We're going to be glorified with Him someday. We get to experience that. We get to be in the midst of the mind of God, I think. I don't know. 
exactly what it means. Great is the mystery of godliness. For God was manifest in the flesh. <clears throat> so, back to Hebrews. Okay. Hath in these days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds, whom being in the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. <clears throat> Being made so much better than the angels, he hath by inheritance obtained a much more excellent name than they. And here's another scripture right here. There's so many scriptures. This book is full of oneness. Isaiah was trying to tell us that it's so important. Right here I can find a bunch of them. He was made, you know, the, <clears throat> the express image of his person. He came down to show us exactly who he is because we can't really even fathom it. And we have to see a person to be able to understand the mind of God. So we had to have Jesus come down, show it to us, and that we could see him. And then it says right here that he by inheritance obtained a much greater name than the angels. Well, what do you inherit? When you inherit from someone, whose was it before you inherited it? It was theirs. And then they gave it to you. You inherited it from him. So he inherited God's name. God came down here and said, I want to be called Jesus. This is the most powerful name. There is no other name under heaven given among men for which we must be saved. This is what, this is how you come to it. You can't come to it in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the, you know, in these different names, because in these, there is no power. This is what I want you to call. He that call upon, you know, he says, go, either, go and um, be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord. This is what he wants to be called. This is what he draws nigh to when he, calls, when he comes in here. When we just are, you know, worshiping. I remember, sister, one time, I remember I told um, her one time, she was in the prayer room and she was just saying, Jesus, Jesus. And, and I was sitting here trying to make up different words or whatever, pray and be a good prayer. And I just remember how powerful this prayer was coming from her. And I told her husband, I said, man, your wife was speaking the name of Jesus in that prayer room and it was so powerful. How powerful is that name? And that's the reason is, is because that's what God wants us to call him. That's who he wants. That's who he came down. That's what he chose for his own name on this earth. <clears throat> and so we got that he sat down on the right hand of the majesty and high. So here's another question that people ask. This is another one that might confuse people. So if he's sitting at the right hand, let's go to, um, and I'll try to finish up here quick. What do we got, 15 minutes? Five minutes. Dan? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So now we're talking about the right hand. So this is another one that can confuse people, that can confuse us, that has confused me. You know, when we're talking about if Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, well, then, you know, God's here and there's someone sitting here. So there's two. The, the, a lot of the problem with a lot of this stuff, though, is that you're kind of leaving out one. So let's figure out what this means. Because we're always skipping out on what the Holy Ghost is. The main conversation is between the Father and the Son most of the time. You know, and the Holy Ghost is like, yeah, he, yeah, he, you know, he, people receive the Holy Ghost or whatever. You know, he just doesn't get talked about much in that Trinity um, perspective. But, 
So let's just go to, where is it? In the name of Jesus, Lord God, help me to find this. <clears throat> I had it written down here. Okay, Psalms 16, 8 and 11. And this ain't the only time. In the Old Testament, you're going to find out a bunch of where they talk about the right hand of God. <clears throat> 16, 8 through 11. It says, I have sent the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. So is David saying here that the Lord is at his right hand? God is at my right hand. Yes, he's, he's saying that I'm coming in the authority of the Lord. When I go to fight in my battles, I'm fighting in the name of the Lord. He is on my right hand. When I do these things, and when I go to the jail, when I teach a Bible study, I'm, you know, I'm going to have the right hand of God. God's sitting in my right hand. Not that I'm in the all authority, but God's going to be in all authority. He, the right hand is the authority. And so, Jesus, you know, we can look at that right now and we can just debunk that whole thing again that there's someone sitting on the right hand of the throne. No, it's the authority. Because God wasn't sitting at David's right hand right here. He wasn't like, because you can't see God. He wasn't just sitting there like wherever David goes, man. You know, he kind of was, but not really. Not in a like literal three-person thing. And then it says, Therefore my heart is glad and my, <laughs> and my glory rejoiceth and my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave me my soul in hell, neither will thy suffer the Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. If you guys walk in the authority of Christ, there are pleasures evermore. There are pleasures evermore. I promise you that. God promises that. And so that, there's a bunch here that um, I want to speak about, but I'm not going to. Um, so then we, we talk about Jesus praying. And, um, <clears throat> I kind of want to. I'm going to read through Isaiah 40. 3, 1 through 15 first, okay? Real quick. I know I talked about this. And then I'll go into the end. I'll finish up here. Isaiah 43, 1 through 15. Isaiah 43, 1 through 15. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When you pass it through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, <clears throat> they shall not overflow thee. When you walk us through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, Savior. I gave Egypt for the ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was a precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give men 
for thee and people for my life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather them from the west. I will say unto the north, give up, and the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered and and let the people be assembled who among them can declare this and show us the former things. Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even he, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Right there. He's the Savior. There is none beside Him. He's coming down to save us. I have declared and I have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. I am He. And it said, <clears throat> the next one. Then it says, if you go into 14, it says the Holy One of Israel. In the 15, the Holy One, the Creator of Israel. And then, so in just them parts of the Scripture, He's just talking about Holy One. This is Him really hammering down on monotheism here. We need to make sure that this is said. There is one God. We don't want to make Him anything else. And I messed up a long time ago. I was thinking while I was reading this, a scripture that I didn't go into. But it just says that, you know, when Jesus said, John 7.37, He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And if you go into what the Scriptures have said, it says, in that day, in Zechariah 14.8, in that day there shall, um, there shall be, well, let's just go to it. Can you go to it, Sister Carnahan? Yeah. Jesus. And it shall be in that day that living water shall go out forth towards Jerusalem, half of them towards the former sea and half of them towards the hinder sea. In the summer and in the winter it shall be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And in that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. And it talks about the rivers of living water right there. And Jesus is talking about, believeth on me as the scriptures have said. And the Scriptures are saying, in that day there shall be one Lord, and His name is going to be one. Right there. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Living waters are going to go out forth towards Jerusalem. And so then, the the last controversy that we have is, you know, who's Jesus claiming to be? And so in John 17, 15, 26, and I already talked about most of this, but John 15, verse 17, Finishing up, Jeannie, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus. 
And it says, I'm just going to start in 15, 17, 15. Sean? I did? Yeah, sometimes I talk like, yeah, my mind. It says, For I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep us them from the evil, that they are not they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So right here he's saying too, you know, he's not of, you know, when, when we say that he's not of the world, well, where is he from that you have sent him? We're not of the world either. When we become in Christ, we're not of the world. We're a new creature. <clears throat> they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. And if you have sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them, them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that also I may be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which believe on me through this word. He's praying for you guys right here. He's praying for you guys in this room. That, that prayer right there to the Father. That they may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. And they are also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which has given me, I have given them, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and has loved them as, they, as thou have loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, <clears throat> that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known you, and these have known that you have <clears throat> these have known that you have sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and I will declare it. He came to declare the name of the Father. And he's gonna declare it, and he's gonna keep on declaring it, and we need to declare it, and we need to believe that what the name of the Father is, and the importance of what the scriptures say. He doesn't want us to just do, you know, how we want it, or what, you know, he doesn't want that. He wants us to do it exactly the way that he's declaring to do it. And there, and in Romans 8:15, and I'm finished finishing up right after this, but this is why. This is why. This is the importance of why. Eight, Romans 8.15. says, For you have not received a spirit of bondage again into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption where we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy. That's what that's saying. We cry, He's our Daddy. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and the children then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we also will be glorified with Him. And it's said in a scripture back in the Old Testament that says that, that nobody gets to be a, in my glory. I don't share my glory with nobody. But he came down and now, in the mind of Christ, he was saying, 
there is not going to be any other gods that are going to share my glory because I'm going to share my glory with the man that, who I made to be and then that we get to share the glory of God. We get to share that with him. He says it right here in his scripture, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not be worthy to be co compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. The earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The creation is just waiting to see us be glorified in God. Creation is waiting to see what that's going to be like. It's going to be such a powerful moment when we get to experience that with him. It says that So when Jesus was praying before that, he was praying to the Father. Jesus the man was praying to the Father. Because if, if Jesus, so if we look at Jesus as like just that he came down and he put a uniform of flesh on, then we, we're getting it wrong. He put on, you know, he came down and was made in the likeness of man. So he had to experience having to pray to get through things. The only thing that he didn't experience with us, which he eventually did, was sin. But then he eventually, he, he experienced sin when our sin was poured out upon him. But he had to pray just like we do. And if he didn't, then we would be calling him, you know, we would be taking away his man, you know, his flesh. Because if, you know, if not, and it says that he's at all points tempted as we are. But he didn't sin. Yeah, so he, he had to experience these things to be flesh. And then how do we overcome things? We overcome them by praying, even when we got the Holy Ghost inside of us. So to be made in the likeness of man, he had to pray to God to get through things. He, he had to say, you know, Lord... I don't want to do it this way, but nevertheless, thy will be done. And then he also had to sleep. So we know that that's part of his man, too. Um, when he was saying that on the cross, though, Marvin, it, it's, it's him basically expressing to the world who he is. We're talking about Psalms 22. He was repeating a scripture that was Psalm because he was trying to tell people who he is. These people that were crucifying him and saying these things, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Is what he, when he said, that's what he said. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was repeating a scripture in Psalms 22 so that these people could see one more thing that he was fulfilling in, right in front of them, that, he, that they should have known them scriptures. And also, you know, I don't know the facts on that, I'm, so I might not even, probably shouldn't even say it, but he was experiencing sin when he shouldn't have. And so that, the pain of that was tremendous. Just imagine the pain that we feel on the sin that we caused, and he didn't deserve it. And so maybe the man at that moment didn't really understand why he had to feel that. Human being, so because the sin came down on us, all of our sin. So, thank you guys. I know that. Hey, I didn't go past eight thirty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Lord God, I just pray, Lord God, that this message, Lord God, that the Lord Jesus, that people will not just listen to this, but they will go and that they, Lord Jesus, the questions that we have, Lord God. And I thank Marvin for that question, God, for his honesty, Lord Jesus. I pray that more people will get that honest, Lord God, and have questions like that, Lord Jesus, that we will open up these questions to you, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that we just, Lord Jesus, stop, Lord God, hiding from where, where we are at with you, Lord Jesus, and ask you to reveal yourself to us, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just pray for a desire and a hunger and spiritual understanding, Lord Jesus, to be upon these people, Lord God, and to upon the people over the internet, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, for your anointance, your blessings, Lord God, for your revelation, God, and for your scriptures to be searched, Lord God, and your truth to be known in the name of Jesus, so that it can go forth through this town, Lord God, and change people's lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We pray for the rivers of living water. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.